So right, imagine you have the worst case of the shits, and doing it in a public bathroom is just so gross. But you gotta do what you gotta do. You run into the bathroom and it's grimy and it's dark and you're about to yank your pants down and plant that fat ass on a dubious toilet seat. You see a bloody pair of dismembered legs. Do you still go? It's 11th May 1974. So this is 47 years ago. The police get an anonymous call. Hello, police. There's a pair of legs in the toilet. The toilet near the mosque on Aljunied Road. The police they hit down and they find a pair of mutilated woman's legs. So who could have done this? The police are shook. Is this the work of a twisted serial killer? Is the person still alive? I mean, people can survive without their legs, right? Is this a foot fetish gone terribly, terribly wrong? Hi, I'm Teddy, and welcome to a briefcase. Today, we're looking at the dismembered legs found in the toilet. This case starts with Sim Ju Kiao, let's call her JK, and Kwek Liang. They were sisters-in-law, so Liang's husband was also JK's brother. JK was much, much younger than Liang. She was 44 years old, while Liang was 53, so it was a nine-year age difference. They also seem to have pretty different financial circumstances. Liang's husband, JK's brother, he was a successful textile merchant, and he was—he seemed to be doing pretty well. They lived in Senate Estate, so I'm guessing it was private, so maybe a condo or a landed house. On the other hand, JK lived in a rented two-story colonial home, and this was in Upper Barrack Road, which is also pretty east. Differences aside, right? Financial differences aside, they were pretty close. JK had a share in Liang's Tontin Group, and so for all of y'all that don't know, Tontins are now illegal in Singapore. There's a couple of ways that it works, and it varies from country to country. But basically, a group of people they come together and they pull money together. They get dividends, like money back, based on how much they put in. And right, usually at the end, the last living survivor gets all the money that's left. Now you can see why it's illegal, right? Because there's a lot of incentive to be the last living person in a tontine group. So now we're pretty much up to speed. It's May ninth, nineteen seventy two, two days before that phone call. At eight thirty a.m., Liang tells her family that she's going over to JK's house. Now she's not there for a social visit. She's there to collect two thousand dollars. And collecting money is really shitty. I feel that money really brings out the worst in people. Forty-four-year-old Sim Jukiao and fifty-three-year-old Quack Liang, they get into a fight, and Liang punches JK. JK strangles Liang until she's dead. So she took a chopper. Can you imagine like the chicken rice chopper? And It's really dark because she said that she was inspired by fishmongers in the wet market. So she's a 44-year-old lady, and as we've mentioned, butchering somebody is really hard, and it must have been really traumatizing to chop up somebody that you know. She dismembers Liang, and it's not just chopping off her legs. She takes off her head, legs, arms, and her torso. The human torso is pretty large. She splits the torso into half: upper torso, lower torso. Now she has to get rid of the body. Some parts she hides in her house, 
and others she gets rid of outside. Now get this. JK lives with her family, right? She lives with her daughter and her husband. She ends up telling her daughter two versions of what happened to missing Auntie Liang. Version 1. She was supposed to meet Liang at a bus stop, but while they were there, a car with a woman and a man show up, some mysterious woman and man. So Liang gets into the car, but JK refuses because you, you don't just get into a stranger's car, right? So this is version 1 of how Liang quote-unquote went missing. Now version 2. She said that Liang did go to her house, but she didn't come alone. That she came with another mysterious couple, a man and a woman. And there, Liang and the couple fought about money. Then they slashed her and they punched JK. Because remember, JK was bruised from getting punched. And JK just being this older single lady, she ran out of the house. And when she got back, nobody was there. So this is version 2 of what she told her daughter on what happened. Now, obviously both versions didn't happen. Later that night, Liang's family, they're getting really worried. Because Liang is 53 years old, she's an older lady, she could have been a fall risk, she could have been marked. I mean, it's 1974. They submit a police report at Paya Lebar police station, and JK, she actually gets called in for a witness interview because they track down that she was probably the last person to see Liang. Now, her daughter is also there, and she hears her mom telling the police, yet another version of the story, let's call it version 3. And she tells her mom to like, just tell the truth. She's heard so many different versions of what happened to Auntie Liang. The police, they find this a little bit suspicious and they go to her house, her colonial house. But at that time, I guess, cause the body is fresh, they didn't smell anything, there wasn't anything too suspicious. And at this point of time, this is a missing person's case, right? It's not a murder case. So they leave. Now, two days later, the police, they get the call and they find Liang's legs in the toilet and in this case i really gotta commend the singapore police force for being so damn efficient they immediately know it's her and the same day ju kiao she she calls her husband and she confesses and at this point the body parts the ones that are stored in her house they've started rotting already and there were these big brown clay jars like earthen jars in her house and i don't know how they lived with it but it was oozing blood and blood just has this really gross metallic smell and there was already flies surrounding these jars because they know one day later on the 12th the police go to jk's house and she confesses everything they found Liang's upper torso in a jar on the ground floor and her lower torso in a jar on the second floor get this near the kitchen and they try looking for the rest of the body in the house but they almost unable to find anything until they're near Kalang River guys really Kalang River so many bodies where they find a package with a head and her arms Zhu Kiao, she's charged and caught on 13th May, one day after her arrest. And it's such a crazy case from such an unexpected person. 500 people show up outside of court to try to catch a glimpse of her. So, 7 days later, on 20th of May, she gets remanded. She's sent to Woodbridge Mental Hospital for a psychiatric evaluation. I definitely kind of get it because... 
she killed her sister-in-law, she butchered her up, she lived with parts of the dismembered body in her house for, for like, two, three days. That's, that's a bit scary, isn't it? And so it takes about half a year later or so, on 27th Jan 1975. She's charged with manslaughter and she's sentenced to 10 years in jail for that charge and for hiding evidence. And I guess if she's still alive today, she's probably 91 years old. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of A Brief Case. It's a pretty short one. And are you looking forward to Chinese New Year? I know it's really dark, but I can't imagine how freaking awkward it is. JK's family reunion dinner. So, eh. And as always, you can find us online at abriefcasepodcast.com and on Instagram at abriefcasepodcast. Next week, we should have our first very special CNY episode. So do join us then for another brief case.